Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about probably one of the most definitive vampire films of all time, Nosferatu. The 1922 silent German expressionist horror film directed by F.W. Murnau. Now this is truly, this. I mean this is a disturbing movie and it stars Max Gregg. As the vampire, Count Orlok, or Orluk. They didn't use Count Dracula because, you know, uh, the copyright issues, hello, from the original novel. Count Orlok. Count Orlok. And like Dracula, he wants to move. He wants to change residences. And it just so happens... He comes across this real estate agent, Thomas Hutter, who lives in the fictional German town of Wisborg. His employer is Agent Er Nock, sends Hunter to Transylvania to visit a new client named Count Orlock, who plans to buy a house in Wisborg. Hutter entrusts his wife Ellen to his good friend Harding and Harding's sister Annie before embarking on his journey. Nearing his destination in the Carpathian Mountains, Hutter stops at an inn for dinner. The locals become frightened by the mere mention of Orlok's name and discourage him from traveling to the castle at night, warning of the werewolf on the prowl. The next morning, Hutter takes a coach to a high mountain pass, but the coachman declines to take him any further than the bridge as nightfall is approaching. Another coach appears after Hutter crosses the bridge, and its coachman gestures for him to climb aboard. Hutter is welcomed by a castle by Count Orlock. When Hutter is eating dinner and accidentally cuts his thumb, Orlock tries to suck the blood out, but his repulsed guest pulls his hand away. Hutter wakes up to a deserted castle the next morning and notices fresh puncture wounds on his neck. In a letter he sends by courier on horseback to be delivered to his wife, he attributes to mosquitoes. That night, Orlok signs the documents to purchase the house across from Hutter's own house. And Wisberg notices a photo of Hutter's wife, remarking that she has a lovely neck. Now that is creepy. This movie moves just like Dracula. I mean, it is Dracula. There is that iconic scene of the shadow of Count Orlok climbing up a staircase. And the shadow has the power, basically. This film is about tone, color, and music. And there is this book that draws Hutter in. And it later draws his wife Ellen in, almost like a demonic manifesto, (laughs) similar to the Dracula that we've all come to know. But this is told totally differently. There is a sepia-toned, blue-toned, yellow-toned, and then the music at the beginning is very whimsical. And as he dives deeper into Transylvania, the music becomes dark and menacing. The shadows are menacing. So Count Orlok fills those boxes of earth, jumps in one of the boxes himself, and is sent over ship. 
It is upon that when he's over the ship that the crew begins to mysteriously disappear and he becomes the new captain of the ship. Meanwhile, in the German town of Wisborg, Ellen, Hutter's wife, begins to wake up from her bed because she is possessed and she's reaching her hands out. She almost falls off the balcony. Her friend helps her and the vampire has a spell over her. She thinks it's her husband, but it's the vampire Count Orlock. So Orlock arrives in the German town of Osrig. And it's funny is because uh, he's carrying the coffin himself. I guess, you know, that was his form of special effects. Because, you know, in the vampire movies that we've all seen, Dracula at least has assistants carrying his coffins. A stagecoach. But no, the Count Orlock does it all himself. I guess that is method acting at its best. Reading, okay. Meanwhile, Hutter explores the castle. In his crypt, he finds a coffin in which Orlock is resting dormant. This is before. After recovering, Orlock hurries home. Meanwhile, the coffins are shipped down the river, the raft. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. So what happens is, is that people start to disappear. So they think it's the plague. So they start sending out these notices to, you know, get rid of all uh, shipping close it down kind of like now but it's not the plague it's the vampire count orlock and then the same happens in the town everyone is under quarantine hello and crosses are written on the doors meaning that they're gone meanwhile the real estate broker that hunter works for knock has gone crazy he, at the beginning, I guess, was connected to Count Orlock, just as Ellen is. And he's in an asylum, and he keeps calling out for Master. Finally, he escapes. And people think that he's the vampire. So he is the scapegoat that they're looking for. Count Orlock, meanwhile, goes on a rampage. You know, his shadow continues to haunt, continue to pull in Ellen Hutter's wife. She's bewitched by him. This is where the film, this is German expressionism at its best. F.W. Murnau, this German, possibly a homosexual director, um, gives us this very, very nuanced film it's very dark and i will say after watching it i can understand why it really holds a place in the pantheon of horror films because this is horror films at its best there's a simplicity to it in terms of yes this is 1922 german expressionism silent film music but there's something extra to it where now it's all about the special effects, it's about the blood, but the shadows and the mood and the tones, the different color tones of this film, the music, 
I mean, this this is this is truly a dark, dark film. At first, it's whimsical, and then it moves into this dark, dark field. And it's truly astonishing to watch. It holds up. This film is almost a hundred years old. It was made in 1922. The beautiful score is by Hans Erdmann. The cinematography is Fritz Arno Wagner. And the Gunther Krampf is also the cinematographer. Beautiful. I mean, you know, that's the nerd in me to say that. Runs at 94 minutes. Now, here's something interesting about Nosferatu. Or Nosferatu. When the foreign Orlock arrives in Wisburg by ship, he brings with him a swarm of rats, which in a deviation from the source novel spread the plague throughout the town. The plot element further associates Orlock with rodents and the idea of a disease-causing agent. Yeah, because there supposedly there was a lot of anti-Semitism that was festering within Northern Europe in 1922. And they accused this film of furthering it. Writer Kevin Jackson has noted that director F.W. Murnau was friendly with and protective of a number of Jewish men and women throughout his life, including Jewish actor Alexander Grunch, who plays Nock in Nosferatu. Additionally, uh, Murnau being a homosexual would have been presumably more sensitive to the persecution of a subgroup inside the larger German society. As such, it has been said that the perceived associations between Orlock and anti-Semitic stereotypes are unlikely to have been conscious decisions on the part of F.W. Murnau. This film truly holds up. The original score was composed by Hans Erdmann and performed by an orchestra during screenings. It is also said that the original music was recorded during a screening of the film. However, most of the score has been lost, and what remains only is a reconstruction of the score. It was played in 1922. Thus, throughout history of Nesferatu screenings, many composers and musicians have written or improvised their own soundtrack to accompany the film. For example, James Bernard, composer of the soundtracks of many Hammer horror films, in the late 1950s and 60s wrote a score for a reissue. The story of Nosferatu is similar to that of Dracula. It remains it retains the core characters, Jonathan and Mina, the Count, and so on. It omits many of the secondary players, however, such as Arthur and Quincy, and changes the names of those who remain. Some recent re-releases of the film after the subtitles to use Dracula versions of the names. The setting has been transferred from Britain in the 1890s to Germany in 1838. In contrast to Count Orlock, Orlock does not, or Count Dracula, Orlock does not create other vampires, but kills his victims, causing the townsfolk to blame the plague which ravages the city. Orlock also must sleep by day, and sunlight will kill him. While the original Dracula is only weakened by sunlight, the ending is also subsequent is also different from Dracula in the novel. The Count is ultimately destroyed by sunrise when Mina and 
sacrifices herself to him. The town called Wisberg in the film is in fact the mix of Wishmar and Lubrik. In other versions of the film, the name of the city is changed for unknown reasons back to Bremen. It's a very interesting film. Now, Nosferatu was not released in the U.S. until 19... Let's see if we can look into it. Lost my place. I'd always wanted to watch this film. And what furthered my interest was the film Shadow of the Vampire in 2000 with, um, you know, William Defoe and uh, John Malkovich. In fact, William Defoe was nominated for an Academy Award for playing the vampire because there's always been talk that that was really a vampire. That wasn't really the actor who appears in the film. You know, there's there's a lot of stories that go with the uh, the film. Let me see. Uh, Reception and Legacy. Nosferatu brought Murnau into the public eye, especially with his film The Burning Soil was released a few days later. The press reported extensively on Nosferatu and its premiere. With the laudatory votes, there was also social occasional criticism that the technical perfection and clarity of the images did not fit the horror theme. In 1922, it was said that the vampire appeared too corporeal and brightly lit to appear genuinely scary. Hans Wallenberg described the film in photo stage as a sensation and praised Murnau's nature shots as mood-creating elements. It was praised for its visual style. This was the only Prana film. The company declared bankruptcy after Stroker's estate, acting for his widow, Florence Stoker, Stoker, sued for copyright infringement and won. The court ordered all existing prints of Nosferatu burned, but one purported print of the film had already been distributed around the world. The print was duplicated over the years, kept alive by a cult following, making it an example of an early cult film. Yes. This is beautiful. Here is the story of Dracula before it was burned alive in cliches, jokes, TV skits, cartoons, and more than 30 other films. The film is in awe of its own material. It seems to really believe in vampires, and Murnau's Nosferatu scary in the modern sense, not for me. I admire it more for its artistic ideas, its atmosphere, and images than it is for the ability to manipulate my emotions like a skillful modern horror film. It knows none of the later tricks of the trade, like sudden treats that pop in from side of the screen, but Nosferatu remains effective. It doesn't scare us, but it haunts us, and that's true. The images will stay with you. This this film is truly, truly amazing. And what happens is, if I can get to it, there are many deaths in the town which are blamed on the plague. Ellen reads the book Hutter found, which claims that a vampire can be defeated if a pure-hearted woman distracts the vampire with her beauty. She opens the window to invite Orlock in, but faints. Hutter revives her. 
and she sends him to fetch Professor Bluewer, a physician. After he leaves, Orlok enters and drinks her blood as the sun begins to rise. Nock, who has been committed after having murdered the warden of a psychiatric ward, senses the threat to Orlok but cannot escape his cell to warn him. A rooster crows and the slight sun's sunlight causes Orlok to vanish in a puff of smoke. Ellen lives just long enough to be embraced by her grief-stricken husband. Count Orlok's ruined castle in the Carpathian Mountains is then shown. <laughs> Directed by F.W. Murnau. This is Nosferatu. It is a classic. I had never seen it before. I was aware of F.W. Murnau. I would also encourage you to watch Shadow of the Vampire. There was also a remake of Nosferatu that came out in 1979 by Warner Herzog, who happens to be in The Mandalorian, which comes back this week. Nosferatu is an iconic film. It's still lingering inside my head. This, this is, you know, I think a lot of people... Yes, they make fun of us film nerds. Oh, it's a silent film. There's no dialogue. And as I explained to my niece today, who is seven, I said, look, this is, this is a form of art. The music and the words, you can read the words. That's the beauty of these films. Nosferatu. Am I saying it right, though? I want to make sure, because this is a legendary film. Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Truly one of the most haunting vampire films of all time. I'm not going to discredit Christopher Lee, who does a brilliant job, but that's, you know, the, the, the modern pop vampire that we all know, or even Gary Oldman's Dracula, which is very sexual and exotic and very dark. Or even Bella Lugosi's, which is a little more romantic. Nosferatu is truly dark, it's truly menacing, but at the same time, the sepia-toned film, it's blue, it's green, it's yellow. You can feel it. You can feel the wind, you can feel the rush of everything within this beautiful film. It's truly dark. Um, Nosferatu, classic. Thank you, F.W. Murnau. As always unpleasant dreams and please i encourage all of you to watch nosferatu <laughs>